Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet, the host of Animal Tales, and I'd like to welcome you to our new series, Doggone Good Information. I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host, Tommy Fahey. Welcome, Tommy. Hi, Heidi. How are you? I am great. I am great. I'm excited to be back. I'm really enjoying the podcast. Uh, I've always enjoyed our conversation, so I'm enjoying doing the podcast with you, and it's uh, getting a little attention, so that's kind of fun. And uh, if yeah. you are listening and you know you enjoy this, please share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe and you know review it, rate it. Well, somebody's got an opinion about it. You know what just happened? Yes. That's a little, what is that? Negative reinforcement. Negative reinforcement. The mailman just delivered the mail right on time. <laughs> Your mailman is prompt. We've had this in other episodes as well. So uh -huh. you always <laughs> know when the mail is there. That would be Jimmy Dean, the Jack Russell. Yes. He's very excited to be here today and he would like the mailman to go away. <laughs> and he did. So that just reinforced did. that. Yes. Exactly. So that's what this podcast is actually all about, is uh, training. And we just hear so much information out there that I think misinformation, uh, pandering to the narrative, and it's really important for me to uh, take the conversations Tommy and I have about all this stuff and turn it into a podcast and just share it. Basically, you're listening in on our phone calls, so keep it clean, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> It's not just us anymore. We have listeners. Maybe. We've got a couple anyhow. So I'll be on my best behavior, I promise. So I hope you had a good week. And uh, I know you're out doing a lot of horse training and uh, up in Missouri. So your weather's probably all over the place. The weather is all over the place. We're having, we call it uh, second winter. Oh. So we had, we had fake spring where everything <laughs> got warm for, <laughs> for a few days. And then we go into second winter where it gets cold for a few days, about a week, we have uh, back to freezing temperatures. and uh, But the flowers are starting to bloom and things are starting to look oh. a, a little more green. And so, yeah, yeah it's, we're it's, well, things are looking up. Well into March. So, uh, and by the way, did you know that March is National Puppy Month? National Puppy Month. What a exciting. great month to, I mean, what a great thing. Who? I mean, every month could be Puppy Month as far as I'm concerned, right? Yeah. So, you know, there are some channels on TV or on online, I should say, maybe YouTube. You could look for them. Just do a search on your phone, but that you can just watch puppies. And no doubt it lowers your blood pressure and just makes you feel really good, you know? Oh, I need to find that. Yeah, I, I believe, I don't know if it was our YouTube TV, one of the channels we had had that, and I would I would go buy it, and I'd stop and just, just look at the TV, and nothing cuter than puppies <laughs> playing and being silly. And so I'm a huge fan of Canine Companions. It used to be for independence. Now they just call it Canine Companions. We have another one closer to me, actually, and where I live in Florida near St. Pete called Southeast Guide Dogs. Okay. These organizations are wonderful and talk about puppies, these beautiful, well-bred puppies, and they always need puppy raisers, right? So if you're somebody who has the time for a puppy, doesn't want a dog for 14 years or whatever, and very realistic about your situation, you can raise a puppy and you get have them 12 to 14 months. You get them at eight weeks. They hand you this puppy. And oh, that's fun. Yeah, you would be great at that because they can actually go with you respectfully. Um, uh -huh. We all know, if you don't know, I am absolutely not a fan taking your dog everywhere and doing the fake service dog thing and 
ESAs do not belong. Emotional support animals where service dogs do. But like you, you're at farms and different, you have different uh-huh. stimuli that would be really cool. And at one point they get their little cape, their little puppy in training cape. It's Oh, cute. It is. So my daughter and I did it when she was in high school. And we had a golden retriever at the time. And I'm not a person who believes my dog always needs a, a pet. Uh, uh, a buddy. A buddy. Yeah, I couldn't think of the word. And you have ja- you have Jimmy Dean. No doubt. And I know Jimmy Dean just from social media. My gut tells me he does not need or want a buddy in the house. He's not pretty really. good with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he rules the house. Yeah. Trooper just got a buddy. By the way, I might need to talk to you about that because I am a dog trainer. When I go to people's houses, I talk to them about that. Very issue. You're better uh-huh. than that, Tommy. Jimmy <laughs> Dean is not in charge. Say it with me. I am in charge of the house. I am in charge. <laughs> I'm anthropomorphizing. Yes, you are. Yeah. Uh, but we're, you know, doing it in fun because I do know you uh, to be in charge in that. But so I had, yeah. uh, I have Trooper the dog, a little multi-poo. These are dogs are in our logo. You can see him. He's actually nine pounds. He put on a little weight, but... Um, it's getting hefty. Yeah, we now have a standard poodle as well. Trooper's not really happy about that, and he'll come oh, around. Interesting. Yeah, I know he will because I've seen him when I've take care of other dogs or have board and trained dogs. But his first initial part is like, "Are you kidding me? I, mm-hmm. I had it good here. What's going on? I don't. We don't need this. <laughs> we don't need this other dog." So, so many people just get two dogs. I'm not a fan of that. If you're some dogs, it's fine. And if you have the time and the finances, the resources, but just because you're gone a lot and your dog needs another friend or that, I'd say if you haven't gotten a dog already and you think you need two because you're gone a lot, you probably don't need a dog. Right. Honestly. Um, And I know they're great to have in our house, but you could like kind of co-op a dog with somebody like, I'll let you share Trooper with me or, you know, I always think yeah, there should well, be a Craigslist for dog sharing. I bet there is something like that. There should be. We should be doing that yeah. instead of a podcast. Yeah, we make money. That's a million dollar idea. <laughs> Shark Tank, here we come. <laughs> I think to that point, though, it all boils down to best practices. We're back to that because that's the theme of our podcast. And you're yes. absolutely right. All kidding aside, it is how we how we uh, train our dogs, how we deal with them, the leadership we show, our training program. And we yeah. lost a lot of that along the way. Or maybe, to, in fairness, some people actually don't know because we don't really put it out there anymore, right? Yeah. It's not discussed. And you're almost uh, guilt-tripped into thinking that you yes. should have the dog or you should have, you know, whatever positive, fluffy, happy thing. Um, so yeah. and there's a million products out there to keep your dog busy and keep your dog entertained through the day or medications to keep your dog yeah. uh, not having you know bad behaviors and things like that. But in reality, the question is, should you have the dog anyways? Right. Yeah. Is it best for that particular individual to be in your care? And I think that's what we've lost is, you know, asking yourself, do I really have the time, the financial resources, the infrastructure, all of that to actually have and manage this, uh, this animal that you're going to take into your home. Yeah. Um, listening to your podcast with, uh, Kay Rosaire, 
um, it made me think of that because she talks a lot about the care of the exotics and you have to have wow. know, specific habitats and, and funds to take care of that. Um, but and highly really regulated. So they different. tell you exactly what you have to do. You know, it's highly it, regulated. Well, yes, that. it's legislated. Um, but yeah, you have to think of it a lot of times in those terms when you're coming up just with your pet in your house. Absolutely. Do you have the long-term uh, infrastructure, financial support, everything to take care of that dog for its entire life? And I always add to that, you, if you're have, if you have a dog in your home and, uh, again, dogs and horses are our wheelhouse. So that's what we primarily talk about. So dogs and horses, if you hold those animals, if, if they're in your care, they deserve and should be required, but they deserve a foundation. They deserve a training program and best practices, leadership, so that if, if something, some reason you can't keep them anymore or something happens, that they're going to be fine. They're universally, uh, they have universal cues. They respond and they're not afraid of everything that comes their way. And mm -hmm. it's absolutely the best, most loving thing you could do for the animals in your care. And um, I'm always happy when people call me because they'll say they need to fix this particular issue. By the time I'm done, we're going back and, you know, either restarting the foundation or fixing those holes Yep. And then moving on from there. And it's it's vitally important. It's should be part and of the often plan. It's, it's rarely the specific issue that they call you about that is actually the fix. Absolutely. Yeah. And we then but we sell these items, sell Thunder Vest to be so you're not afraid of fireworks or give them medication. We just kind of circumvent what uh, we're going after the symptom and not the problem. Yeah. And we have everything we need. So if you're going through those problems, again, we're not trying to guilt trip you, but if you are going through those problems and you own a pet, seek out help. It'll be the best money if you have to hire a trainer you've ever spent. And this doesn't take months and years. The reinforcement and maintaining it does, but that should be fun actually, because if yeah. you have a dog, you should enjoy that interaction. But the training, I mean, I can go to somebody's place and fix their fix change that behavior really quickly by just showing leadership, putting my shoulders back and saying, no, no, uh-uh, not doing that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a little deeper voice, but, and they stop doing it. And usually I put my hand out and say, that'll be $65. Thank you. My exactly. work here is done. But um, the point is not to be sarcastic, but if you have a dog that should be part of the program is maintaining that. If you don't have a pet, please, please consider that before you get guilted into uh, adopting or rescuing a pet or even buying a pet from a breeder. I will say the breeders who are responsible, which are most of them, do a great job with vetting you to be an owner of one of their mm -hmm. dogs. And God bless them for doing it. They're regulated. You know, again, mo the ma great majority do a wonderful job. We just pick out the worst and uh, highlight it and say they're all like that. Well, you can yeah. do that with waitresses, legislators, you know, journalists, pick up, pick an industry. We can highlight uh -huh. the worst of it and say, I don't care what you tell you, they're all doing that. And it's such a disservice. It's not true. And we're buying into a lot of baloney from uh, in, in the animal world, the animal rights groups and also the media. And I'm going to put it right here. My little emojis. You got the happy face and the care with the heart. 
And over here, you've got the sad face or the tear and the angry face, the red face. And I always say the information, the solution, the dilemma is in the middle. If you want to know more, you got to get a little uncomfortable, get into the middle, seek more information. And that's this face, hmm, the thinking mm -hmm. face. There's a little emoji that looks like this. And yes. so be thoughtful, be curious, want to know more, want to explore it more. And that's exactly what this podcast is about. Tommy yeah. and I are exploring more with yeah. a little bit on the side here and there. So I have a bit of a theory about this. Um, so you talk about the emojis and that's coming from social media and Facebook and that kind of thing. Correct. So we have over the last, you know, probably 10 years gotten more and more social media. And what happens in social media is that you edit the content that you see yes. by what you interact with. So we are creating and reinforcing our own narrative by what you interact with on your Facebook. Why is that? So everything from, from news articles to ads, you know, when I pull up my Facebook, I get ads for horse stuff, uh, for dog things, and that's about it. Um, but I'm sure that somebody who is interested in hunting or somebody who's interested in, uh, I don't know, musical theater or, um, you know, all kinds of other activities uh, maybe pop culture, that kind of thing. They're going to see ads for that. And so what happens is you reinforce your own narrative. Yeah. And then along with that, we only read the headline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you instead of actually looking through the entire article that was written and forming your own opinion, you just hit the highlights, grab that headline and run with it. That's exactly and I'm guilty right. of this. We're all guilty of this. I'm not saying anybody's doing anything wrong. It's just what we've created in our normal day-to-day -day society now. Completely uh, agree. So I think it's really difficult then to find um, the uncomfortable middle, as you call it. Um, but it's really important to do that, to look at both sides of issues and try to see things from a broader uh, picture, uh, you know, zoom out, to pull your lens out and look at um, the bigger picture. Literally and, and really metaphorically. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's, a, that's, that's well said. Uh, you're so insightful, Tommy. I so enjoy it. For a young man, <laughs> you're, you're, you're so insightful and uh, I, I like your delivery as well, but that's one of the reasons I've always enjoyed chatting with you and, uh, you know, again, if you're, you know, if you're new to this podcast, I'm a generational animal trainer, three generations, and uh, have learned from a master and the peers, my father's peers, my mother was a trainer. And Tommy has also been around animals since he was a kid, but also uh, delved into the schooling and the education and science of it. So I always say he went to school so I wouldn't have to, and uh, I just pick his <laughs> brain now. So there you go. So it, it's kind of cool because we represent, we don't always see things the same way. And I, I like that. I want to have a, a good discussion or debate about these things. Um, and I don't, you know, with you, I'm, I, I'm not a person who feels inadequate. Anyhow, if I don't know something I ask, but the, I know a lot of people who are more, uh, maybe not as forthright or, forward as I am. Um, I grew up as an animal trainer, so I put my shoulders back, put my chin up and <laughs> go for it. Um, it gets us into trouble, doesn't it? Leadership. Yeah. So I, I, we're, we're doing this to try to help people understand that there's so much more and 
maybe you do this while you're driving in your car and, you know, you get, get a different perspective that you can check into without having to take a, a lot of time at home when you're trying to do, you know, trying to live life and do all that. So this week, um, we are going to be talking about the adopt don't shop. I left you with that last week on our pet peeves. It's something that is a very catchy phrase and it's caught on and I think it does a lot of damage and I'm going to I'm going to delve into that in a little bit as we get into our main topic. So just wanted to let you know that. And again, if you're just tuning in, I'm Heidi Harriet. I'm joined by Tommy Fahey. We're we're having uh, our discussion some dog on good information our podcast and uh, covering things, best practices, training programs, kind of kind of uh, pulling back the curtain to look into these things and figure out what we, uh, you know, with our experience, what kind of what we do, and then hoping that you can gain something from that while you're listening. Uh, so it was, uh, so puppy week, I was talking about canine companions. So you know, just to circle back, if you're interested, reach out to Southeast Guide Dogs or Canine Companions, which are nationwide. I think they're worldwide, actually, and check out the opportunities. You could also be a pet sitter. So that's pretty cool. You don't have to own a dog to enjoy a dog sometimes on, you know, your terms and your time frame. So there are opportunities out there. Don't be guilted into getting a dog, especially because you think you're solving a problem. And um, I'll get into that in just a moment. Tommy, anything else from this week or you want to talk about before we delve into that? I think that about covers it. Awesome. Let's get into talking about shelters. Yeah, it's not like this doesn't take some time. This might be a four-part episode, you know, so so that yeah. we don't get make people blurry-eyed here. So, <laughs> and by the way, if you haven't listened to the last episodes, we talk about positive reinforcement dog training. Is there such a thing? We contend that there's a lot more to that story and take a look on uh, our previous podcasts, uh, episodes one, two, and three. So we're up to episode four, Tommy. How exciting. Yeah, I know. It's cool. Okay. So adopt, don't shop. It's a coin termed, uh, a, a phrase coined, there we go, by the animal rights extremists, the groups. I don't say extremists a lot because that would lend itself to think that these are fringe groups that are... I'm talking about the mainstream, what I would call mainstream animal rights groups. They now call themselves animal protection groups, sometimes even animal welfare groups, which I truly take issue with because mm. they're not. Uh, so PETA, the Humane Society of the United States, the American Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, ASPCA. These are not organizations that actually run shelters. The Humane Society is the biggest one. We're talking about multi-million dollars in their uh, funding, and they don't operate the Humane Society. So your local Humane Society may be struggling and trying its best to do great work, and they're not getting funding from the Humane Society. They're not operating those shelters. And I've met more and more people as I, I'm, I'm not shy at all. So, you know, <laughs> far be it for me to ask a stranger about, you know, get on the topic. And then they disclose to me that they help animals by donating to PETA or the Humane Society or whatever it is, a, an actress with an emotional song and a tear and a dog, you know, showing a dog in an, in an unsavory condition solicits a lot of donations. And um, I care about animals. So let me say first and foremost, I'm 
absolutely right with you. I know you are too, Tommy. If you're listening to this and you care about animals, I am not trying to shame you or make you feel um, anything less than the fact that I'm right beside you. I stand with you. I care about animals. It's a high, huge priority for me. I grew up with animals. I grew up with Dr. Doolittle, basically, and a, a wide variety of species and feel so privileged about that. But where we part company is if you don't want to hear the information from the other side. They will vilify people who train animals for shows or carriage horse drivers or you know, don't ride elephants in Southeast Asia. The ongoing narratives and rhetoric from these groups is so harmful to animals. So if you, mm-hmm. if you care about animals and you, you listen to or even support these groups, I'm just asking you to take a second look, to get into the middle and see what it's really all about and then make up your mind. But I can tell you the adopt, don't shop phrase is so incredibly harmful because it's telling you there's too many animals. This is the premise of it. There are too many animals in the United States. We have a surplus of animals and that we need to get them adopted because the shelters are full and it's, uh, it's a problem. So here's the deal. There's actually a deficit of adoptable animals in the United States. You heard me right. There is a deficit of adoptable animals in the United States. And that has been uh, on the, de- the animals, the shelter animals have been on the decrease for a bit now since spay and neutering and, um, you know, PSAs and that type of thing. So adopt own shop says you got to go help the problem of overburden animals. We hear it all the time. Hear it from celebrities. I hear it on talk shows. We actually don't have a surplus of, again, adoptable animals. So what's happening is we're getting animals from other countries. Check it out. It'll be in show notes as well, but you could Google this. And I'm looking, I pulled up on my computer that to that end, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control in the United States, has temporarily suspended dog imports from over one, from 113 countries. And wow. that, that doesn't even scratch the surface. 113 countries. And they've done that because we're having episodes of rabies that we don't have in this country. There are other countries who do still have rabies problems. They have diseases, uh, strains of parvo and distemper we don't see in this country. And I'm looking at a couple documents. One is from the AVMA, American Veterinary Medical Association, who's actually backing some uh, legislation that a friend of mine, Patty Strand, who is the president of the National Animal Interest Alliance. This is episode two on the Animal Tales podcast, talking about this subject more in depth, has introduced legislation called the Healthy Dog Importation Act. And here's the big thing. So we've created, again, why I keep saying it doesn't help animals, these things, people are... You may be thinking, how could that not help animals? We're going to go to the shelter and get an animal. We're creating a demand. Life is about supply and demand. So all the adopt own shop doing is doing is creating a demand in other countries to breed dogs and send them to us. Warm, fuzzy, cute dogs. You know, the dogs that people do want to adopt. Our shelters, some of the shelters are at capacity, but if you go there and look at the dogs they have to adopt, 
they're not breeds that a lot of people are comfortable bringing into their homes. And I completely support you on that. Now, again, my heart breaks for the dogs. It's a problem. It's a dilemma. Years ago, Disney World, I have a friend who was a director at Disney. My husband worked for Disney in Florida. And we were doing our walk around our block, um, getting some exercise. And she said they'd had dilemma training. I never thought of this before, but, you know, we try to find solutions to problems, right? And I always tell you to get into the middle, the uncomfortable middle. Sometimes the solutions lie there. Sometimes it's a dilemma and we, we, we do the best we can with the uh, trying to figure out an outcome. And they actually had training on dilemmas for their staffing, their managers and staffs, because you can't always solve the problem. I thought that was one very insightful and two, I've never forgotten that. Isn't that interesting, Tommy? Yeah, I think it's the the idea of uh, the ethics, right? We get into that discussion, yeah. and then the the classic scenario of your uh, you're on the train on the tracks, and the train the tracks deviate, and you can choose to go to the left, and the train's going to hit one person, or you can go to the right and hit six people. Right. No Which good option. Go? Yeah. There's not a good option. Yeah. So it, it's that idea that we we want a perfect good option. We want a utopia, and it, but that's yeah. not reality. And that's that, that the, doesn't happen in life. That's so well said because that's really where we are with our politics and everything. We're looking, we're starting at such a low bar, interestingly, which we've gotten to, and then we're expecting the best of the best in the perfect scenario. And, but we're, I don't know that we're willing to work towards it, but this, this issue with the bully breeds, the crosses that are that are filling up the shelters, and I also read sometimes chihuahuas as well, because they're, they're not necessarily uh, perfect family dogs, right? And I tell right. my clients, if you have a family, especially young kids, and you're bringing a dog into your home, any dog that's older pre- might present some challenges that you might not have the time or resources to deal with. I've raised a family. I know what that's all about. And it, it's a full-time, you know, full-time undertaking. Um, and we want that to be done well. And I'm all for a family pet if, if you've really thought about it. Everybody's going to pitch in all of that, you know. But I tell people, get a, get a puppy that's the right puppy for your family. Talk with breeders. Because mm-hmm. I really believe that. Let the puppy grow up with your family. Um, and it doesn't mean I don't want these dogs to be taken care of and find homes. But just because we want that doesn't mean that's the right solution. So we see a lot of that. I, I find it very scary. We're having incidents of uh, attacks and bites and stuff on the rise because we're adopting from uh, the dogs we can adopt from shelters in many cases are breeds that can be aggressive. They're larger dogs. They need leadership. They need a training program. They need a job. And not everybody's offering that. Most people aren't. And so, yes, there are dogs in shelters. I'm not dismissing the work of amazing shelters and rescue staff that are out there, but there's also some lies going on, and I just want to I want to show the other side of that. So we're importing almost two million dogs a year, and if you read the CDC's uh, website and just Google that phrase, rescues are importing most of these. So I'm uh, I was on some threads recently um, talking about some poor woman said. <laughs> She was offering marketing for breeders. God bless her. She's on there on Facebook saying, I have a program that offers breeders, it's a niche market, how to market your pets. 
Yeah. Oh, 500 comments later, a lot of those angry faces in the thing. Of course. People just vilifying her. And then, of course, the breeders. And, you know, we just jump right on that. And so many of these comments, so many, uh, that you, our shelter's full. If you want to adopt, these purebreds are in shelters. It's disgusting, these breeders. And I said to her, what shelter? Tell, please tell us where you live, right? Because this yeah. could be international. Please. Because I went to the shelter in my area, my sisters, my niece, we go to shelters to see what kind of dogs there are that we might bring into the family. And, you know, bully, mine is all bully crosses, bully, you know, bully breeds and bully crosses, not the right scenario for me, for sure. Um, And for a lot of people, and again, God bless those dogs, but there's, there's a bigger picture we need to be involved in, but that's not it. So guess what? They're bringing in dogs from other countries, right? And in many, in many states, five states, and I think it's over 700 municipalities now, there's a pet store ban. You cannot go to your local pet store and buy a puppy or kitten. And the, the, the bans say it's because we have no idea where these dogs are coming from. They're unregulated, right? Actually, they're not unregulated. They are regulated. And they're required to have a paper trail. They got to know where the dog was bred, you know, how it came to be, how old it is. It has to have all its, its shots, all of that. The only dogs we don't know where they come from are the shelter dogs. But yet in the pets, uh, pet sale ban, Adopt, Don't Shop, we're told we have to get a pet from the animal shelter. Yes, we could still right. go to a private breeder, but... After they're vilified to death, you know, you, you feel guilty, like sneaking off to the breeder. Don't feel guilty. It's okay. It's actually probably a very good thing. And the shelters are not, I can tell you, they are not full of purebred dogs, purebred dogs. They actually, the breeders actually have in their contracts, any reputable breeder that the dog has to come back to them. So. Yeah, that occurs very often. So you've been in the vet I'm business. So dogs. Talk about the vet, the vet aspect of this, you know, um, how you've seen this play out. Yeah. So uh, part of working at the vet clinic is watching people maybe get a new dog or their first dog or, um, you know, coming into that idea. And more often than not, the dogs that came from shelters also came with a lot of baggage. Okay. They're not a blank slate. Yeah. So there's a difference I feel in uh, starting with a puppy that is a totally blank slate and you can help train it and create its environment and uh, get it used to things in a systematic way. And you know where uh, all the flaws are in that training because you've been there its entire life. And you have the breeder, uh, you have the breeder to, as a resource, right? Yeah. For training and, and, and breed specific exactly. things and such. And that's the scenario I fell in. Yeah. Uh, I bring up Jimmy Dean in every episode. Every episode we work him in. Yep. Yeah. So Jimmy Dean is my Jack Russell Terrier. And I lived with the breeder when I was living in Kentucky. Yeah. um, Our mutual friend Corolla. And she had, at the time I was living with her, she had Jimmy Dean's uh, mother and father. And she got them as puppies and started her breeding program for the Jack Russells. So I knew both of his parents for a couple of years while I lived with her. So I knew exactly what I was getting when I agreed to take Jimmy Dean um, and and to bring him into my life and, and have him as a part of my household and my family. I knew exactly what I was walking into. What happens when you go to a shelter is 
you don't get the full picture. Yeah. You don't know, you don't know what those dogs' parents look like or how they behaved or how they were handled. Um, you don't know how that individual has been handled. Uh, and you don't know what baggage it has in its history. Yeah. And then to that point where we talk a lot about training, you and I are professional trainers. We know the end game. Um, we know what we're looking for. Uh, and we also are, have 10 different ways to solve one problem, right? I would say I, I want to be the person that has a million solutions for every problem mm-hmm. rather than a million problems for every solution. Um, and that's an, an attitude. Um, but the average person and especially first time dog owners or people who maybe haven't had a lot of dogs, they're not going to have the baseline knowledge of a professional trainer to be able to handle the baggage and the issues that some of these shelter dogs have. So oftentimes in the vet clinic scenario, we would end up with a lot of issues with uh, dogs that were, um, you know, highly reactive that didn't have structure and boundaries that they didn't, you know, they were very fearful. Then they act out in aggressive ways because they're reacting from fear. Um, Whereas we also saw a lot of people get puppies from breeders. um, And they, what I loved is that they would come in with these packets of information about the dog's lineage, about care, um, you know, uh, doodles have been the big trend lately um, over the last few years. (laughs) Um, and, and anything that's crossed with a poodle or, or a, a dog that requires grooming, that's yeah. a whole thing that you have to prepare for. Yeah. Something that you need to take time on your own to be able to, to keep the dog groomed in between professional services or pay and or pay for professional services, which is yeah, huge. Exactly. And so that's a big thing that people don't realize when they're getting a dog. Um, but a lot of the breeders, that was in their packet of information, yeah. how to care for the dog long-term. Um, a lot of the, the uh, professional breeders also require that you do a certain amount of puppy classes, puppy training, yeah, so that the new family learned how to interact with that dog. Um, not all shelters require that. Not all shelters even suggest that. Some just don't have the, you know, a, some just yeah, don't have, have the resources, resources to yeah. do that. Right. Um, you're, you're kind of handed... The, the most medical records that they have, which is oftentimes minimal. Um, And we're kind of shooting from the hip, trying to decide how to approach, you know, even vaccination protocols. We don't know what their, their past history is. We don't know where they're at. You probably Um, assume it's a starting from zero, right? Is that correct? Yeah. Oftentimes that's the case. Yeah. Um, And, and that's where the shelters, a lot of times they're, they vaccinate before they adopt out the dog. Um, So, you know, you, you assume that they've had no vaccination history. Um, so there's just a lot of unknowns when it yes. comes to getting a dog from a shelter or a rescue scenario or whatever you want to call it, um, where there's actually a lot of pros, um, and a lot more information that you get from getting a dog from a purebred breeder. Right. So again, oh. we're just, we're just highlighting the balance. The issue I have with this, make up your mind. We live in the United States. Yeah. We should have choices, but one if you've supported or believe these pet store bans are good, that's that's a shame because that does that is actually just perpetuating what I call the shelter myth. Um, it's it's really dangerous, frankly, because again, we're bringing these dogs over. Thank goodness the CDC stepped in because now they're requiring them to be six months old. 
These mm-hmm. countries, again, some of these are countries whose standard of living for humans is a lot different than ours, let alone animals, right? They were sending over puppies less than eight weeks old, right? In this country, That's I believe terrible. every state has an eight-week-old um, scenario, right, that legally. Um, so I don't even want to think about what happened, to, and I know the stories on some of these long flights that these puppies yeah. didn't make. That's heartbreaking. So we've created this this uh, whole uh, market for dogs, mm-hmm. cute little dogs, you know, Yorkies, Shih Tzus, uh, you know, I have a Multipoo or Poodles, whatever, Golden Retrievers, the stuff you're not seeing in the shelters here. I, mm-hmm. I, I strongly encourage you to check with your rescues for the breed, like a golden retriever rescue, a, a Jack Russell rescue, they do get dogs sometimes from folks who didn't train their dogs, and then they're hard to deal with, or um, any of that. Um, but I think that was a big highlight uh, you had in your uh, podcast with Patty Strand, yes. discussing that, yeah, um, and all this new legislation that's coming out and everything. But we already had it available. We did. For, for years, for decades. Since the 50s, most there of have these been rescues. Breed associations already had rescues. Yep. This, this was not actually a problem. So we often legislate problems that aren't problems. Well, but Tommy. Because there's a narrative behind it. And money. Then we feel like, yeah, exactly, follow the money. Yeah, they found out every, we used to call it the dog pound when I was growing up, right? Every state uh-huh. or probably every county had a dog pound, animal welfare to come out for nuisance animals. Yeah, and they found out, we call it retail rescue now because these dogs aren't free at rescues and I have no problem with that. But I just got a dog from a rescue and they were wonderful folks. Uh, I think they do a really good job. They took him to the vet and again, um, when they first got him out of his situation and shooting blind, so they just, he's three years old, the dog I have. But now he might have clogged ear ear ducts, uh, tear ducts. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's got goopy eyes a lot. So now there's nasal lacrimal duct. The well, we'll, we'll talk about this. Um, <laughs> so the I might have to do you know go back to the vet for that. He's had uh, worms, right? Hookworms, which uh-huh. are a pretty big deal. We're medicating for that. I got to go do another round of that. So the costs too start to add up. And yeah, I, I mean, and you know, we're just flying blind here. I wanted to go through the process because I talk about it. That's why I did it. I'm not, I certainly enjoy going to a good breeder, but I wanted to actually live this scenario. And I did want to get a dog that I could train and help uh, find his way into a great future. And my dog is so timid and he's already coming along. You can follow along. I call it Meet Otis, O-T-I-S. It's on my YouTube channel, Heidi Harriet. It's in show notes. I keep up with him every week or so on what's going on and how far he's coming along because I didn't just let him run around scared. I'm actually getting in him and saying, let's go, we're gonna do this, Otis. But yeah. I just want you to realize that there's so much more to this story. And again, there's no attempt here to throw shelters or rescues under the bus. And absolutely, a lot of people are involved that don't really understand the big picture. And I think these are folks who have big hearts and wanna help animals. And I read about us flying over on private air, people with private planes, bringing dogs that are rescuing from Puerto Rico and Aruba and the Bahamas and stuff. Gosh, I mean, it's not that those dogs don't deserve a chance, but our, those are dogs that are gonna be so challenging. Many of those are feral dogs. 
that you can't there's, just take in a home. And there's got to be some reality behind this, right? I mean, yeah. And then the science of it, the pathology yeah. of what you're now exposing your neighborhood to Absolutely. your city to, you know, what, what sort of diseases are they bringing with them? What sort of parasites are they bringing with them? Yep. Um, you know, and you've got to know the science behind that and how to uh, treat it or prevent it. Yeah. And this and, is all documented. Look, you yeah. can just Google these phrases, you know, uh, imported dogs bringing disease. And so if you're those well-meaning people listening, and I, I certainly hope you are, that we've provided another perspective and that you might ask more questions of these groups, PETA, Humane Society, ASPCA, so many others, and your local shelter, if they're throwing dog breeders or circus animal trainers or greyhound racing under the bus to make their point, I have a problem with that, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I may not participate in some of those industries or even get excited about them, but it does mean that we're vilifying one in, one to make our point. And I, I refuse to do that. I just am highlighting these instances, right? I've lived in a world where we've been vilified and thrown under the bus because I've worked with animals in circuses. Those same yeah. animals work at zoos, amusement parks. I've been hired to go to wealthy people's homes to present animals and let people uh, just soak them up and enjoy them, which I think is so important for the, the future of our species and our relationship with animals. But yet those same people will vilify an act they see at a circus or something. Same training, yeah. same people. So I've mm -hmm. lived this. That's why I'm so passionate about it. And I don't like lies. I don't. And if I, if I see abuse, I have reported abuse in a couple of different industries. And there are laws out there to prosecute animal abuse. There are more laws in place to do that, I think, than there are for our children, frankly. It's at least as many. And yeah. so, you know, be mindful of that, but add, just ask more questions, please, you know. And we need to do a lot more on this, Tommy. This is a, you know, there's yeah, more to a, this. It's a deep and broad subject. It's We're just very much skimming the surface of it. Um, Trying to let I, people I soak it in a little bit because it, it's just hard. Yeah. I, I actually have people get mad at me when I tell them we don't have enough dogs in this, adoptable dogs in this country. Mm -hmm. I've had people literally get mad at me for saying that. Yeah. Like I'm... I'm the most horrible person out there and friends and uh, even a relative. So yeah. it, it, but they don't, they haven't seen the broader facts because they've it's, only seen the headlines. Yeah. It sounds like I'm saying, Oh, don't go adopt a shelter dog. I'm not saying that, but no, I'm saying if we keep uh, the supply and demand of bringing dogs over from other countries, we are actually creating a problem. And I'll leave you with this on this point during COVID the shelters were empty and it, you could go back and look at videos and stuff and they'll, they show the door, cage doors open and that such Saw a lot of that, you know, one of the reasons for that, one of the primary reasons there were no Couldn't imports, import. couldn't norm, import people or dogs. Mm -hmm. Let that sink in for just a moment. There you go. Yep. So a lot more to this. And again, yes, Tommy, all on my animal tales page where you find this podcast, or if you're on YouTube, um, it, there's a link to the Animal Tales podcast, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Zoom, um, Google, 
Look for Animal Tales Episode 2 with Patty Strand from the National Animal Interest Alliance, who is one of the uh, leading experts on this. The, the, our U.S. government defers to their statistics and information. And a wonderful lady who's been a dog breeder and really understands all sides of the issues. We'll have her on here to talk as well. Yeah, so, I'd love to talk to her. Yeah. So let's let's wrap that part up. And now we're going to move into our pet peeve. And Tommy, you get to take the... Uh, Pet peeve. I get to tell my pet peeve. And we don't talk about this ahead of time. So it's all, yeah. each of us it's are surprised. Surprise. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, we like that. So uh, it, it ties into sort of what we're talking about, uh, as of, of course it would. Um, but the, the overarching idea of my pet peeve is having an opinion or creating an opinion where you don't have all the information. So I'm going to tell you a little story about Jimmy Dean the Jack Russell. Of course. We work Jimmy Dean back in. <laughs> of course, yeah. I try to do it a couple times each episode. So Jimmy Dean rides with me most days. Um, I take him with me in my truck. And uh, I might have a, a bit of a coffee addiction. Um, so I stop <laughs> off and get my, my little coffee uh, most mornings. So I was in the drive-thru and ordered my coffee and I come up to the window and of course they see Jimmy Dean in the truck and they go, oh, this young lady working the counter says, oh, would you like a pup cup? Yeah. And it happens about every time that I go through the drive-thru and I always decline. And I say, uh, no, thank you. Um, you know, I, I don't care for one. And this poor young lady just had a full on conniption fit. <laughs> Oh, you're such a mean dog owner. How dare you not oh give that dog a pup cup? Why wouldn't you give him this? It's, you're being mean to him. Like really laid into me about not giving my dog a cup of whipped cream. Jimmy Dean is loving this. I'm sure he's like. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my so gosh. I just sit there and, you know, let her, let her talk, wow. let her wear herself out. And then I said, I understand your opinion. However, this dog has food allergies that I'm fully aware of. I've had him tested for it. He's also doesn't process the dairy. Yeah. He will vomit after he eats that. He'll like it for the moment. But unless you're going to come up here and clean up my truck in 30 minutes after he's finished this, and then you're going to deal with all of his itchy skin and ear yeah. infections or, or issues like that later. You don't need to have an opinion about me giving my dog or not giving my dog a particular treat. Wow. Oh, that's so, bold. Uh, it was very bold. I almost called the, the store manager. Yeah. Um, and and I, I probably should have. Well, it'd be, um, you still could. It's a good education. You know what I mean? You could go in there and actually educate their folks on this. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I didn't get the sense that she cared to be educated, which is something that we have to be careful about. Um, Imagine. Yeah, I, I just found it uh, really remarkable that she would have such a really strong, bold opinion oh. about something so simple and something that was really none of her business. Yeah. Wow. Um, that is that, interesting. Yeah. And that reaches out to a lot of things, having, yeah. having these opinions that you really don't have the full information about. Um, so be careful of that as you're navigating your life. I think we should drive around. I actually got them from a speaker's bureau. I was on a, I was 
you know, learning about this. I, I've done a lot of public speaking, but trying to get in my foot in the door. I'd like to do a TED talk at some, well, probably TEDx, let's face it, you know, but um, <laughs> about this issue, about the, you know, there's more to this story. And I'm just trying to, my problem is narrowing it down. So anyhow, I was on a, a Zoom speakers group that I was participating in and they sent us a box and it had little like popsicle sticks with emojis. And oh, we yeah. should carry around the emoji with the thinking face. Like, no, <laughs> think about it. Just think yeah. about it for a moment. Right? Stop. Think. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Think. Listen. Stop. Yes. What is it? There used to be that in school, didn't there? Stop. Think. Listen. Something like that. So, wow, that's really interesting. They always want to give me. So, in uh, full disclosure, you and I don't agree with taking our dogs in stores and stuff. You're at farms. Correct. So you, yes. you work at farms. So when you say you're taking Jimmy Dean, I just want to clarify because that will be a future pet peeve of mine. Um, yes. Taking dogs where only service dogs are allowed and calling them, you know, a, a serv fake service dog. So I know you don't well, do that. So And I, I have very strict limits and boundaries on when I take him. Yes. It's weather dependent. Yeah. It's location dependent. And I also, I refuse to let him be a problem. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I understand. And I'm, I'm the same way. I trooper goes very few places. I live in Florida. Um, it's warm most of the year. He's, he's great in the car and he'll, he loves his little cage, but it has to be really cool outside for me to take him. But I just don't, he's perfectly fine at home. He has a dog door. Mm -hmm. he, he runs himself. It's actually real quick story about that. It's kind of cute. So we have a pretty good sized dog door where you could push the swinging thing. It came with our house, and then we have a very nice fence backyard. So the big poodle could go through this door. He's nowhere near okay. that yet, of course. That's a terrifying. Yeah. But he will sooner than later. So Trooper, it's a little heavy. Well, it broke the other day, and I fixed it. But I don't think it moves as smoothly now. But I've been busy, so I haven't paid a lot of attention. So I hear this. He gets the door. <laughs> so you hear Trooper over there. He pushes the door with his paw. And it swings and he pushes it like, it's like he gets it. He's got to get a big motion before he dies. Oh, <laughs> got to get the momentum going. <laughs> it's hysterical. So when I get home, I need to take a look at it. But I, it's just funny. And Trooper is just, he's a trooper. That's what, that's why I named him that. I didn't know what to name him and he's a trooper. So, uh, but part of that is just, you know, how we're dealing with him. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. My training tip for the week. I'm going to follow up on what you talked about last week. So again, try to go back and listen to our episodes. If you're really interested in having a great pet and doing good by them and learning all this stuff uh, that we're imparting and, um, you know, join us again, join us in this discussion. Let us hear from you. Animal yeah, Tales podcast know your thoughts at Gmail or our social media. We're going to start, we'll start reading some of those online and answering those, but love to hear your experiences on this stuff. Um, you know, again, we're completely open-minded. You're not going to offend us. You're not going to make us mad. You're, we would love to hear where you are on this. Maybe uh, mm -hmm. provoke some thought and discussion, you know, around something we're not thinking of. Although we've got a lot in store for you. We've got, <laughs> we've got notes on things we haven't even gotten to yet, but uh, please let us hear from you. So training tip in this is episode four, Follows on Tommy's training tip last week was we, we train in a routine and repetition and absolutely. And we know the end in mind because we've experienced it over and over again. So here's how I know when my training is going well. I'm training in a routine and I'm, also, I'm training a dog 
several dogs, but my own dog right now and my own miniature horse. So both of them, I start out with my basic routine, a lot like you were talking about with Jimmy Dean. Of course, you could find this too, AKC Canine Good Citizen. It's a foundation training. And mm-hmm. I'm doing it in, in a routine, and it's all done with repetition, consistency, clarity. I don't use treats very occasionally. My dog will not take a treat. Follow along on YouTube to see what it looks like when you can't be a treat trainer, right? And it's not my first How dog. How do you positively reinforce him? Yeah. So oh, there you go. Inquiring minds want to know. Uh, so the way you know when your training program is progressing is they're actually going through their routine before you ask for it. And mm. people think, oh, that's great. Well, not really, because now they're on autopilot and they're not thinking now. They've gone into another mode. So when my animals start, they've learned something, they've made mistakes and we've got it back, which my father always said they weren't trained till they try you on all of it and you get get it all back and say, nope, this is how I want you to do it. And they say, okay, mm-hmm. and they go along. Once they start trying to mix it up, then, or start doing the routine, it's time to mix it up. That's when I say, when they start anticipating and they have it down, that's when my training starts to break the routine a bit, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of doing um, sit, stay down, I'm going to say sit, come over here, do this over here. We're going to go back to down now, right? Mix it up. Because now they got to start thinking again. Got to keep them thinking. It's exactly it's it's telepathy. I say my dad was Dr. Doolittle because he connected with the animals. And you want those eyes looking at you and following you around, right? Absolutely. Horses and dogs. So that's my training tip for the week that train in your routine, use your repetition. And then, you know, you can test your training by trying to do it out of order. If it doesn't go yeah. well and you think they don't understand, then go back to your routine. If it doesn't go well, because they're getting the best of you. My dad used to say, <laughs> we gotta be a little smarter than the animals we're training. Exactly. So you have to stop and consider where you, what's going on, but breaking up the routine can help when you're in, you know, getting further into your training. So hope that helps. Yeah, and we, we experience that uh, in the entertainment world. Oh boy, do we. <laughs> because we have certain acts that we perform and they're supposed to go in a certain order and there's music cues and there's lighting cues and depending on what kind of stage you're on that kind yeah. of thing. Week after um, week, they're doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I learned that idea of varying routines and, and changing things up. I worked on a show called Kabalia. Um, it was a very famous show. Uh, it's not around anymore, but uh, touring there was show. a yeah, it was a, a fabulous show. And the Liberty trainer at the time when I was there was Frederick Pignon. And he's an amazing uh, horse trainer, the horse whisperer, you know, the, all of the good things. You can't say enough wonderful things about him. But what was so fun for me as a young person, I was 18 when I started on the show, um, and I would watch him do his act every night. And he had three or four different act, Liberty acts that he worked through the show. He did them with multiple horses, they interchanged. So not the horse didn't always do the same act every night. They interchanged horses. And then he approached the act with, there was sort of a loose outline that he followed. So he had certain behaviors that he did and he did them mostly in the same order. But what was so fun is to watch him change it. And in the moment, change it. Absolutely. Oh, I'm losing the horse's attention. I got to change things up here. Yeah, Make it. Um, And then what made the show so fabulous on top of that was the uh, stage manager and the orchestra conductor 
had to watch him and feed off of what he was doing. They had to pay attention read. too. <laughs> exactly. So the show was never the same. Yeah. It, every night was a little different. Very dynamic um, live entertainment at its best, yeah. right? Yeah. And it was just amazing. But it, it goes to the idea of yes. having some structure starting there, having a, a variety of behaviors, but then being able to actually interact with those behaviors and keep the animal engaged and attentive. And that's uh, how you check keep it fun. That's how you check your training program to see your status and see where you are. That for me, yeah. that's, that's the big litmus test. And I do the same thing with my performing horses and dogs. I just throw something and Adam put it out of, out of sequence. Um, usually I don't even tell the musicians <laughs> God bless them, <laughs> when we have them, you know, but, uh, sometimes but, I like to spring it up. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm a little, just go with it kind of girl. So, <laughs> all right. Well, Tommy, it looks like, uh, we've, we've had a, a very full and robust discussion, hopefully very authentic and, uh, transparent. And yeah, again, you know, please know that we're with you in this and want to, want to sort through these things with you folks. And so let's hear from you. And again, yeah, it should be an open discussion. Yeah. It's ongoing. It's, it's definitely, uh, a, a discussion that will keep, you know, keep going on and we want to hear your thoughts on it as well. Thank you as always, Tommy. I so enjoy and appreciate your time on these. Thank you, Heidi. This has been wonderful. Great. And for you listening, make sure you subscribe, rate and review the podcast. You can also find us on YouTube video. You can watch us, right? So uh, check all that out. I'm Heidi Harriet. Thank you for listening to some doggone good information.